Well, good morning to all of you at Gateway Swindon. It's a great joy to be bringing you God's word this morning, all the way from Clarence in South Africa. Now, our small town of Clarence and our home here is at 6,000 feet and it's midwinter. And so it's about one or two degrees at the moment. So it is bitterly cold, but I decided because travel has been so limited, I would invite you to Africa and into my world. And so I hope that uh, I'm not going to shiver too much as I bring you this word this morning. But it really is a joy to speak to you. And may I just say thank you to all of you for um, all that's happening in Gateway Swindon during these extraordinary times, particularly to Colin and Nigel, L, and I'm sure a whole host of others who are carrying the church. I've watched a number of your messages and communications online, and it's just been so impressive. So thank you so much. And this morning, I want to bring you God's word out of the uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians and in chapter one. And uh, I'll begin by reading from verse 15. And if you know this passage, it's one very, very long sentence. So let me read it to you. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards those who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age, uh, also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as a head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What a wonderful scripture. And it's from this great passage that I want to speak to you this morning. I've entitled this message, Through Apostolic Eyes. Now the word apostle means sent one. And Paul was an apostle, one who was sent to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And so I want to speak to you out of um, what I see he's communicating this morning. And um, some call this passage Paul's song of celebration. And if you know the passage and that I've just read, it's about 200 words long. It's one single sentence. I think it has something like 13 commas. And if I had used a sentence like this during my uh, studies at school. I think my English teacher would have freaked, but Paul gets away with it because he's bubbling over. There's a great commentator I so enjoy. His name is R. Kent Hughes from Wheaton in America. And he says that what we are experiencing is apostolic effervescence. In other words, 
Paul's apostolic gift by what he has heard and what he has engaged in is causing him to bubble over with passion and with joy and with such great relief by what he has heard is happening in Ephesus, apostolic effervescence. And so this morning I want to ask the question and answer it hopefully, what has Paul heard about in Ephesus that has produced such an expression of joy? What has produced this apostolic effervescence in the church in Ephesus? And by answering that, I hope that it'll, it will spur us on to produce the same fruit in our communities. So let me just remind you how he started. He started in verse 15 for this reason, and he's been painting this glorious picture of what Christ has achieved. And by what Christ has achieved, the church has come forth. And he says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease giving thanks for you, remembering you in all my prayers. So let's answer that question. And I believe that there are three things in the beginning of this passage that I have read that highlight what has stirred this great um, response in Paul. And the first one is saving faith. Having been called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, Paul is seeing the fruit of his ministry. Called to preach to those who were previously alienated, they were separated, they were not part of anything that Paul had known before. They were excluded. He wrote later, far from God. These were the ones he was called to take this great message of the risen Christ to. And Paul has preached this powerful gospel. He's been to them. He's been among them. He has proclaimed Christ. And he was later to write and say, I'm not ashamed of this gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. And so I believe that the first thing that he is celebrating is saving faith, where the gospel has taken root. It's been dropped into hearts through faith and belief and brought forth a people. How important this was for Paul in a city like Ephesus, in all its ungodliness, its temples, its pagan worship. But yet this message has cut right through all of that and produced this beautiful fruit of God. The gospel has brought him joy. Saving faith is what he sees and he's celebrating. The salvation of Jesus has come to these people. But secondly, I believe that he is also seeing practical faith at work because the report he has heard is that the Ephesians haven't only been saved, but they're living by faith. They are walking in faith. They are following Jesus. Some call this practical faith, faith that allows us to walk in the daily walk of following Jesus. It requires faith in relationship with Jesus and it honors him. It shows that we've put our faith in him. And 
Paul is, is just so excited about this. In this ungodly city, here are these people who are following Jesus wholeheartedly, not giving in to all the, the stuff happening around them, but living among the people, but separate in a way. And he thanks God and it overflows with this joy. The gospel has brought forth salvation, but it's brought forth a people. But thirdly, and the one I want to really touch on this morning, is his statement where he says, So I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. Your love towards all the saints. And I believe that the third thing that has really brought forth this great prayer and exhortation of celebration in uh, Ephesians chapter 1 is Paul has seen their love for all the saints. Love towards all the saints. The Ephesians church loved their fellow Christians. In a competitive, divided, ungodly world, Paul highlights this most important bit of evidence that Jesus has done an incredible work, that the gospel has truly taken root, that the believers love one another. Paul uses that beautiful word here, agape, agape love, a thoughtful, unforced, action-filled, purposeful love that allows us to love one another. In fact, it's the true love of God himself. F.F. Bruce, that great Bible commentator and biblical historian, says that the church in Ephesus could have been around about 55,000 people strong at this time. In a city of about a quarter of a million people, 55,000 would have confessed Jesus as Lord. Now that's incredible breakthrough. And so one needs to now uh, just think of what Paul's saying. He's saying we've had tremendous breakthrough in Ephesus. We've seen a city transformed. And the thing I see is that you truly love one another. No wonder the church had such impact. No wonder the people of God were transforming the city of Ephesus. No wonder it impacted uh, temple worship. No wonder the city was turned upside down and eventually led to riots. 55,000 people were commended for their love for one another. Let me remind you of John 13, Jesus speaking to his disciples and he says to them, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another just as I have loved you. And they'd sure experience that, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, the people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. My dear friends in Swindon, Paul has seen something in the Ephesian church that has brought forth this 
apostolic effervescence. He's bubbling over with joy because the people truly loved one another. We've been in strange times. They've been most extraordinary. It's impacted all our lives, some more than others. Many of you have suffered. You've, some might have even lost loved ones or those that you know. Two months ago, I received news that a dear brother and worship leader in our church in Mumbai had passed away after struggling with a COVID infection. His family took him to the hospital to find out the hospital didn't want to receive them because they hadn't received all their protective equipment as yet. So the hospital barricaded, closed the doors. Finally, they got in and uh, quite late in the day, late afternoon, they got him cared for. But my dear friend and brother died in the early hours of the morning due to this really bad pandemic. And it was such a sad moment where the reality of what we're facing um, suddenly hit home for all of us. And I called on, on the churches worldwide to please pray for One Nation Church in Mumbai, where Colin visited with me uh, a few years ago, and to pray for the leaders. And they were trying to work out how to comfort the family. And I was amazed that in a moment of such tragedy and sadness, how the body of Christ kicked into gear. Word got to one of our churches in America. And during a prayer meeting, an online prayer meeting, they started to call out for this dear man's family, a wife and two daughters that were now left without their dad. And as they were praying, they felt moved um, to, to, to gather online a gift. And they sent this wonderful gift across to, to India with, uh, uh, immediately. It was just a wonderful expression straight away. And the family were just comforted in this way of, of wonderful provision, having lost the breadwinner in the family. And no sooner had that happened that I received an email from South America where another dear friend had <clears throat> excuse me, been praying about the sad uh, situation and, and God spoke, in, spoke into his heart and said, do something about it. And so immediately he responded and spoke to his wife and family and said, why don't we offer the two girls an education? So I received this email saying we would like to serve this family. We'd like to offer those two girls a, a bursary to complete their education so they don't need to worry about their future. In the midst of extreme sadness, my heart overflowed with such joy at the way that we loved one another. And when I read this and I did a study of Ephesians last month, I experienced what Paul experienced to see the family of God where we truly love one another. Now, this is one story in the midst of thousands, because I know even among you, I know the stories, how people have been cared for here in our own town every month. The, the gifts and the food and the parcels being distributed, families crying, families receiving. It is wonderful to see 
Brothers and sisters, this has been a tough time, but it's bringing something out of us that is truly pure worship to God. Let's not miss it. Let's join Paul in his apostolic uh, effervescence that, that we are a people who've been over, uh, overcome and overwhelmed and saved through the faith in Jesus Christ. Let's live that practical faith and let's truly love one another. And like the Ephesian church, I truly believe we will change our societies. Paul had heard the report of the ongoing salvation, that the impact of the gospel. He had heard they, they were walking in faith. He had heard about their love for one another. And such joy overflows, full of celebration. He can't hold it back. They say that true mission is the establish of worship in people groups. True mission is the establish of worship in people groups. And I remember years ago when Heather and I moved here among the Basutu people that live in this area. In fact, even as I look to my left, I can see the little houses on the hillside. Uh, they're in the morning sun at the moment. It truly is beautiful. I'm sorry, I can't move the camera. I'm on my own here. But many years ago when I came, they were all involved in ancestral worship and it took quite a number of years. And around about 2005, our local church, Dichlabeng, which means uh, in Sasutu, it's Kareke Ya Dichlabeng, Church in the Mountaintops. And we had grown uh, quite considerably, but the wonderful area we had grown in is, is we were a, a whole mixture of cultures different language groups, different backgrounds, rich, poor, you name it. We were all together, hundreds of us. And during one weekend uh, gathering, we did a whole uh, series of meetings over weekend. There was this moment where our worship changed from singing songs to an overflow of worship to God. And there was just the surge of worship in the building and I remember standing lifting my hands and I wrote it down here I started to shout Lord do you hear this God listen because I knew that true worship had been established in this area Gavin Northcote a dear friend was standing next to me and he reminds me sometimes he said I, during worship I suddenly heard you shouting to God listen to this listen but that's apostolic effervescence it's an overflow of how the gospel can change people let's not become sluggish in these times in any way but celebrate what christ has done let's do it by walking in faith and by loving one another it's been a joy to speak to you this morning and i hope that this encourages encourages you even though we might be separate and as we as we come back together i i really hope that we are going to do things very differently i love the church gatherings i love our sunday morning gatherings but brothers and sisters i believe that god is going to lead us into a time where we will do things very differently i know in our area the whole emphasis on the kingdom of God, the impact of our town on the economics, the social welfare, the education, all these things 
rests with the with the church, the responsibility of the church. We've got so much to give, and I hope that out of us, by these, the, by the the impact of the gospel and our togetherness, that we'll go on to do great things. God bless you, and let me finish by praying over you. Father God, we thank you for this dear man, Paul, Apostle Paul, called to the Gentiles to preach the gospel to the Gentile world and how grateful we are this morning. We thank you for his exuberance in the scripture, for this 200 word sentence that overflows from his heart in celebration and thankfulness. And Lord, we pray that in our day, we would experience the very same uh, heart condition where we see, Lord, such, a, such an impact of the gospel in our lives that leads us to a daily walk of following you, Jesus, and, Lord, a true love for one another. Lord, we want to see it in our lives. So would you stir our hearts this morning, even though we're far away from one another, separated? Would you do it, Lord? Even as I finish this message, Lord, I pray that we would begin to overflow with love for one another. I pray this in your wonderful name, Jesus. Thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you that you made a way for us where there was no other way that we can truly love one another. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Just as I was praying, I had this um, just thought of, us finishing this morning by sending messages of encouragement and love to one another. So can I encourage you to do that? If you're in a room with others, your family or maybe some friends, why don't you turn to them and encourage them and just say, this is what I love about you. Let me encourage you. Maybe you could take your phone and send a message to someone across town or to one of your leaders and just say, hey, we love you. We love this about you. Go for it. Let's go change the world together. God bless you in Swindon. Hope to see you very, very soon. Bye for now.